Anyway, let's get right into our, our series this morning. Uh, we are in a series, Hot Topics for Hot Times, and, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to say this disclaimer every single Sunday uh, until the end of the series because I want people to understand. How many know it's very easy to read between the lines? And, 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 and I'm, I'm telling you, there's nothing there. The, these, these messages that we're preaching have nothing to do about being on a soapbox. I have no axe to grind. I, I'm not, I don't hate anybody. I don't, uh, there, there's none of that kind of stuff. What I was concerned about is the messaging that we have in our culture today that runs contrary to the teachings of Scripture. You've got to understand that our children today are being inundated with messages whether it be from Hollywood, whether it be from the music industry, uh, athletes, uh, the, the National Education Association, wherever it may come from, uh, media, mainstream media in particular, that run counter to what the Bible actually teaches. And if parents aren't equipped to deal with it, uh, then our children are growing up hearing misinformation, and they're not able to make decisions based on the right information. Listen, there's only two ways that we can live our life, we, uh, how we view the world. We, I can either view the world through my lens of experience, or I can view it through the lens of God's Word. As a believer, now one of the first things we do, uh, we did in this series, I started out in the very beginning of the series, the very first message was on the authority of God's Word. Listen, if I don't believe that God's Word has authority in my life, then I can choose to believe whatever I want to, and it doesn't matter. It's immaterial. But if I believe that God's Word is the ultimate authority in my life, then I submit myself to what it says. It's the God rule of my life. And everything flows from that. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about another hot-button issue, transgenderism and gender confusion. Um, again, if our children aren't being taught the truth of Scripture, uh, and, and there's two approaches to it. Now, I'm, orig I'm an originalist when it comes to the Constitution. Now, if you don't know what that means, is I believe that our founding fathers had divine wisdom to create a document unlike anything in the history of our world that has served our country very, very well for a long time. Amen. And part of the issue, so I'm an originalist, but then there are people today that believe it is a living document and that it evolves over time, that what they meant was good for that day, but it evolves as time moves on, as we evolve. Uh, and then there are people, so, so take that same approach, and there are people that believe the Bible in its original content. So I, I believe the Bible. I believe it is God's Word. I, I went to great lengths to talk about how we got God's Word, how it was transmitted from one generation to the other, uh, how that you can have confidence that the Bible that we have is, is God's Word and you can build your life upon it. So I, I took a lot of time to develop, to develop that idea. And so I'm an originalist. I believe that God said what He meant and meant what He said. But there are liberal theologians today who believe that the Bible evolves generationally. As time evolves, as we become and I use this in quotation, smarter, um, and I really wonder about that one sometimes, uh, as we evolve, the Bible evolves. I don't believe that. I don't believe, because the psalmist said, forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven. Doesn't say anything about being updated and, and improved upon, because we can't. Forever, O Lord. So that's where it comes from. So this morning, I, I want us to read Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. We go back to, all the way back to the very beginning. So then God said, did you see that? Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over, the, all, the, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, created, he created them. Now may the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, as I said, I, I preached at the very beginning, was talking about the authority of God's Word and how important it is that you and I build our life. Listen, Jesus told the story about a man who built two men. One was foolish, one was wise. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand when the storms came. Again, that was, that was metaphorically about how we build our lives upon things that are trans, transitory in nature. I can be foolish and build. How many know that, how many grew up in the 70s? Remember the bell bottoms and uh, those things are coming back. And uh, what did they call the platform? I, I don't have any. I'm not, I, 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 you know, I had those in the 70s. I don't have them now. I'm not going to buy any now. But, but things come and go. And what's in fad today won't be in fad tomorrow. What's popular today won't be popular tomorrow. Listen, if I build my life upon that, uh, 
that ideology and that philosophy, then I'm always going to be changing. I'll, there'll, there'll be no stability to my life. And, and so I'm confident that I have a, a life built on God's Word that is eternal, that takes me from the, from the womb to the tomb, and I'm okay with that. Now, last week, we, uh, we actually unpacked, I, per, I preached on the abortion dilemma, and we discovered that God is pro-life, that God is the author of life, and that He values all life from the womb to the tomb. Today, there's a lot of conflict about the abortion side of it, but I also think about senior care. Because what we do to elderly in our, in our country, to me, is very disgraceful in, in large part. We put them in a home, and we leave them there, and we may or may not go and visit them. And, and that bothers me. And there are people today that think that you have a very useful period in your life where you're, if you're pre-born, you're not useful, and if you're elderly, you're not useful. You only have a certain amount of life that you can live, and then society doesn't want you anymore. So God is life. He's for life. As believers, we need to stand up, speak up, and involve ourselves on the issues of life. We should only vote for candidates who are pro-life. Now this morning, we're going to look at transgender and gender confusion. And again, this message has nothing to do with hate. I want to be very, a reasonable voice to talk about what God's Word says. Listen, I want to filter things through His Word. Not my own experiences, not my own feelings. We'll be talking about that. You know, for some people listening today, maybe you might not be familiar with this hot-button issue. The transgender issue, listen to me, it is not a new issue. It is not a new issue. There have always been people that have denied their biology and claimed to be a different gender than what they were born. But today, it has become a much larger issue, and it's something that has to be addressed. Now, now here's the thing. For much of history, the terms gender and sex were interchangeable. They, they meant the same thing. They described our biology I, I'm, a, I'm a male as opposed to a female. But today, we've changed those terms. Today, those terms mean different things. The term sex refers to one's biological makeup, and gender refers to the social aspects of what they identify as. Okay, in other words, uh, sex is biological. It's what you're born, male or female, but gender is about your, the social constructs, and it's what you call yourself, okay? So a biological man, a biological man with the anatomical features of maleness can identify himself to be a female and socially present himself as a female. That, that's kind of the debate. Now, this is a multifaceted issue, and there's no way in one sermon I can tackle everything, but I want to I kind of wade through some of this stuff. Gender identity has to do with how a person perceives their own gender, and for most people, their gender identity matches their biological sex. For most people, that's the norm. But it has become socially cool uh, for younger people to explore the possibility of identifying as the opposite gender from that which they were born. In fact, I saw an article yesterday that came across about uh, some pediatrician, I forget where he was, uh, some pediatrician that was talking about how that uh, nurseries are to be teaching gender identity to two-year-olds. That, that's kind of where we are. Again, this, this, uh, uh, this, I know we're tempted because we're very passionate about what we believe, but there are people today that, uh, well, let me just get on with it. We'll unpack it. This is where the confusion comes in. A transgender person is someone who feels, here's, here's what it is, they feel a sense of inconsistency between their biological sex and their gender, and they choose to identify their gender with the opposite sex. Um, and for me, this is damaging. This is damaging from a psychological standpoint. This is, I, I mean, you, just to think about this, there's nothing more damaging than the self-loathing thought that God made you a mistake. I want you to see where this is coming from. There's nothing more damaging than to think, uh, you've heard me say this for 29 years as a pastor here, that every one of us, were born, we were born on purpose, with purpose. There's no, we're not an accident, we're not an oops, we're not a mistake, we weren't unplanned. If you are here, you're breathing, you have a pulse, you are here by divine edict, and nothing beyond that. And, and so to think that somehow God made me a, a mistake and put me in the wrong body is very damaging to the psyche. How much do you have, I mean, think about this, how much do you have to hate yourself, the real you, to endure body modification and mutilation to transition into the opposite sex from that which God made you? That's a scary thing to me. 
And it breaks my heart to think that society is, has so uh, pressured me that I can't be happy being me, but I have to be somebody else. That somehow God made me, uh, uh, God failed with me, and I have to transition to something other than what I am. I watched a professor last week testifying before uh, the Senate, and she was a sitting professor at UCLA, tenured professor at UCLA, and she berated one of our senators because he said, he had the audacity to say that a man could not get pregnant. She was angry that he said that. See, today they have gone as far as renaming uh, pregnant women. They are now called birthing people. They're birthing people. And, and the reason for that is this now is, uh, again, we, we, we laugh at that. It's really sad. It's really sad that we've gotten to that place in our society where we cannot identify that a woman was born with the anatomical capacity to carry a child, a man not so. Two, now, the two are important, right? But anyway, this is inclusive language. It allows for trans men to be included in the miracle of childbirth. How did we get here as a society? How did we get to this point? Last week, I talked about how in the 60s, uh, again, we were talking about how did abortion become such a, a prominent thing where today, with, with inflation and runaway prices and all of this stuff that's going on right now in our culture, what's happening in Congress is they're worried about how they can circumvent the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and figure out how the federal government can now sponsor abortion and killing our unborn babies. How did we get there? I said we got there because in the 60s, our society threw off the restraints of morality and they rebelled and they turned to deviant lifestyles and attitudes and now they have produced children and those children have had children and so now we're seeing, uh, again, it's always been problematic. It's always been problematic, but it's been localized. Here's what I mean by that. There's always been rolling out, rolling outage, I guess. <laughs> hey, we'll just open the doors and we'll get through it. <laughs> Hey, there's always been problems with attitudes and rebellion, right? How many know that? Well, what's happened, it was local. But today we have 24-hour news cycles. We have 200-plus channels that you can select from any time of the day or night you want to. We have Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever else is floating around out there. That I, Twitter, uh, people tweet, tweets, twit, tw Twitter. Anyway, you, you know what I'm trying to say. So, so we, we, have all, we have all of these forms of media. So now what could have been controlled locally where you had someone that was behaving in an abnormal, uh, that, that violated social norms, now it's, uh, so, so you see somebody being attacked. Used to, men, if we saw somebody being assaulted, what would we do? Most people in, in the past would get involved to stop that. You know what they do today? They pull out their device and they record. They record it. They want to put it. So, so they don't care about what's happening to the person that's being assaulted or attacked. They want, to, they want their 15 minutes of fame. They want to get the likes on, I don't know if you like on TikTok or whatever. They just want to get that kind of stuff. So, so today, we have more access to this information. So now, these things that could have been isolated are now overblown. And I'm, I'm telling you, you're seeing it, uh, even the kingdom of the mouse has come out and said recently that they, by the end of this year, uh, all of Disney movies, 75% of those uh, would be transgender. I mean, you think about it. There's a, I told you, this is a spiritual battle. And we have to recognize it as such. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Again, as a society, we have sowed rebellion, and we're seeing the fruit of that in the second and third generation. Secular humanism is the religion of the Western world right now. You say, well, what is secular humanism? Well, here's what it does. It deifies man. Now, the word deify means to lift up. Secular humanism deifies man, and it dethrones God. So watch how it happens. In a normal in kingdom uh, mindset, you have God rule and man like this. But in secular humanism, you flip it. And so now you have man rule over God's rule. That's where we are in our culture. Secular humanism is the religion. It de again, it de deifies man, dethrones God. Man becomes the arbiter of truth and the master of his own destiny. At the core of, at the core of, of uh, secular humanism is relativism, which says meaning and truth are relative. In other words, your truth is your truth, but not necessarily my truth. 
And how, how many can identify? That's where we are today. You don't have a right to tell me what to do. You don't have a, your truth, not my truth. That's where we are. Relevant, relativism denies that there is any one right way to understand the world. And coupled with this is radical individualism of our day that says everybody gets to write their own script. That we can define ourselves. That we can, we, the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man. But what's the end of it? Death. Destruction. Destruction. That's what, again, that's where we are. You know, we decide what's right and wrong. We get to decide how we define our lives. It's our decision. This, and, 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 and the only sin today is you can't judge. Don't judge me. The Bible says don't judge me. And we throw that out. Here's the thing. It's changing rapidly because people who are standing up speaking biblical values are now being singled out and labeled as terrorists and nonconformists. That's where we are. So how did we get here? Pastor, how did we get here? How many remember the story of the Garden of Eden? So, so the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now think about this. The Bible says, nothing is made that, that he created all things, and all things were made by him, for him, and without him there is nothing made that is made. So God created all, all of this, and then he put Adam and Eve in this paradise. You know, man has always looked for utopia. We had utopia in the Garden of Eden. And God gave them dominion. We read it in our text. God gave them dominion over every other created thing there was. He said, hey, go out. You're, you're, you're to have dominion. You're to have rule over this, this, and this. Notice God gave him authority to rule. But there was one he couldn't rule. He said, go out and enjoy all of this stuff in creation. Everything that I've made is for you, but there's one prohibition. Remember that? He said, there's one tree. Notice that. He didn't say, listen, people say, well, I don't want to become a Christian because there's too many rules. Well, listen, they only had one, and they still couldn't follow it. <laughs> and that one rule was, there's a tree, there's a tree that uh, don't eat of it. You, can have, you have dominion over it, you have rule over everything. You can partake of anything out here, but there's one tree you're not to touch. So what did Satan do? That slithering serpent that he is. He does it today. He slithered, slithered up. He curled up to, you know, I can't sit. It's like Sally sells she's Anyway. <laughs> Satan, <laughs> Satan came up to Eve alongside and he offered. Here's, what he did. here's the ultimate sin. He offered her a path of her own choosing. Remember what he said? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? You see how sinister that is? Did God really say you can't do that? And, and so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, again, it was a path of her own choosing, promising pleasure and enlightenment. Choice is seductive. Choice is seductive. So the Bible says, here's what it says in chapter 3, verse 6. Eve saw, okay, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So now think about this. Satan comes along and says, hey, I know he said you couldn't do that and shouldn't do that, but did he really mean it like that? I mean, surely God wants you to be wise, and surely he wants you to have the best of everything. And, and, and the Bible says she, she bought into that. Her decision, you know, we kind of criticize her decision, but think about it. Her decision was a rational, reasoned calculation supported by what her feelings were telling her. Do you, you get that? Her feelings were telling her that the tree looks good, that the tree probably tastes good, the fruit of it, and that the tree will make me wise. Her feelings said, go ahead and do that. I want to tell you this. I, I truly believe in my heart that Eve never in a million years thought that her reaching out for that fruit was an act of rebellion. I don't, believe, I don't believe she thought about it. I don't think she, want, for one moment, it entered her mind that reaching out was a form of rebellion. She never saw her decision to reject God's right and authority over her as an act of rebellion because her feelings told her it was right. You see what I'm saying? 
How did we get here? Satan's doing the same thing today. See, by reaching for that apple, okay, or that pear or that plum or whatever, I hope it was a fruit we don't know about because I really like fruit. <laughs> what, whatever the fruit was, okay? But here's the thing. Here's what, I wanna, here's what I want you to hear about this, and I'll get right into it real quick, the rest of it. By reaching for that root, fruit, that fruit represented the right to rule. By reaching for that fruit, Adam and Eve were rejecting God's right to rule over his creation. They were saying, I choose self-rule over God rule. That's why I'm saying, if, if, if you don't see the Bible as the ultimate authority in your life, you can keep reaching for the fruit all day long and never feel convicted about it. Because now you choose self-rule over God rule. And see, the transgender debate right now is the exact same form of rebellion. People say, well, I just don't feel like I should be a boy. Or I don't feel like I should be a girl. I'm reaching for the fruit that says, God, I'm ruling, not you. Listen, there, and, and, and aside this, let me just be honest. There is an illness, okay? There's an illness called gender dysphoria. It is a legitimate illness. In fact, the DSM-4, I guess it was, the 5, the 4, as, as late as 2013, defined gender dysphoria as a mental illness that was to be treated. They've since revised that, and they've taken that out that it's no longer considered. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not jovial about this. I'm just saying that we recognize it for what it was. There is a legitimate illness, a mental illness called gender dysphoria that warrants treatment. But what a lot of what you and I are seeing right now in our culture today is modern man reaching for the forbidden fruit, denying God's right to rule in their life. That's the a, that's a majority of what you and I see. So again, it's a complex issue, multifaceted. So what does God's word say about it? Well, number one, first thing it says is God created male and female. Again, our text tells us that God created male and female in his image. And then verse 31, you drop down, says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. Now think about that for a minute. God saw, God's creation was good. It was very good. It wasn't average. It, was, it wasn't purposeless. God's creative act was successful in all facets and was done according to his will. Which, by the way, he has that right. The high point of his creation was he, when he made man. I, I brought this out last week, how that all the other things he spoke into existence, but when it came time to, to make man, he formed him and blew into him the breath of life. The high point of creation was the creation of mankind. God created us male and female, and then God said what he created was very good. Was very good. Andrew Walker, author of a book called God and the Transgender Debate, says it like this. He said, maleness and femaleness, according to the Bible, aren't artificial categories. In other words, they're not social constructs. He goes on. He said, the differences between men and women reflect the creative intention of being made in God's image, end quote. Did you get that? The differences between men and women reflect the, creation, the creative intention of being made in God's image. Listen, after, God, after the creation of woman from man, Adam said in Genesis chapter 2, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So the Bible says we're created male and female, and we are to fulfill those gender roles according to our bodily sex. When I was born, XXXY. See, God gets to say who we are. He's the potter. We're the clay. It's part of his created order. This is why in the Old Testament, you don't hear much about this anymore, but in the Old Testament, God forbid cross-dressing. Did you know that? Deuteronomy chapter 22 says, A woman must not wear men's clothes, nor a man wear a woman's clothes. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Again, there was a distinction. The creative order of God required that there be distinction between male and female. God forbids cross-dressing because gender is a calling of God. And God calls us to fulfill our genders based on what we were born, not what we subscribe to. So my being male, I'm a male according to the calling of God. 
You are a female according to the calling of God. It is a call of God upon your life to be a man or to be a woman. That's the way the creative order works. And Jesus even affirmed the creative order of God in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 19 says, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? Again, the foundation of the New Testament is the Old Testament, and Jesus is confirming that in the beginning the intent of God was there to be male and female. So that's number one. Number two, God's order Created orders distorted by the fall. How many know we live in a fallen world? Okay, j just letting you know, and not only is it a fallen world, but this world's under a curse. Okay? So God created us male and female, but when man chose his own path, God's order was turned upside down. You ever wonder why things don't make sense anymore? Man, there, listen, there's two ways to think. You can think from a world, again, a worldly perspective, or you can think from a kingdom mindset. The kingdom mindset says, to be first... You have to be last. The kingdom mindset says to be the greatest, you have to be the least or a servant of all. A kingdom mindset says if you want to receive, you have to give. Doesn't make an ounce of sense. Because when sin corrupted the creation, we fell upside down. And it doesn't make sense anymore. This is why Paul in Romans chapter 8 says it like this. He said, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, Adam and Eve. <laughs> by one man, sin entered into the world. He goes on, in the hope that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, when sin corrupted God's creation, it unleashed disorder. Everybody say disorder. Part of this disorder is physical. Why do people get sick? Why do people die? Why are people maimed? Because sin brought disorder. It brought sickness and disease. People get sick, they're maimed, they're born with disability. Since we're talking about transgender, there are people that are born intersex. Why is that? It's part of the, it's part of the fall. Another part of that disorder is psychological. Okay, for example, when people feel their gender does not match their sex. If there had been no fall, think about it, there would be no maiming and death, and there would be no intersex. There would be no gender dysphoria. There would be no disorder in creation, and there would be no mismatch in people's minds between uh, in their sense of gender and what they were born uh, from a biological standpoint. There would be no dis, uh, what's the dis incongruity, and that's isn't that a word? I'm pretty good at making words up. So that, if not, I'll just we'll define that one later. <laughs> Listen, experiencing, here's what I want to say, and I'm, I'm going to hurry up. Ex feeling, experiencing feelings of gender dysphoria is not sinful. The church has not done a very good job of representing kingdom light. I've seen guys get up and, and take the, listen, the Bible's called the sword of the spirit for, for a reason. It can slice and dice and dissect people. I don't believe that's the way Jesus intended us to be. We'll talk about that in just a moment in closing. I don't think we've done a good job. Just because someone struggles with gender dysphoria, like I said, it is a legitimate issue in today's world. It's not sinful any more than experiencing uh, feelings of depression are sinful. They're just real effects of the fall of the world. We, every one of us were born disordered some way. We were born disordered. We're all created in God's image, but that image has been distorted because of the effects of the fall. So what's the, th the third thing? Here's the, here's the good news. One day God's, God's going to restore creation one day's god god's going to restore it paul says again in romans chapter 8 the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time think about it. he wrote it a long time ago think about how accurate it is today all of creation right now is groaning up until present time not only so but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this we hope we were saved but hope that is seen is no hope at all. He who hopes what, I mean, who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. See, the Bible says this is the hope that every one of us have today. See, my wife, when she had her stroke 10 years ago, 10 and a half years now, and was confined to a wheelchair, I have hope that she's going to walk again. And I believe, listen, I believe that she could stand, I believe that God could touch her right now. She could get out of that wheelchair and never have to go back in. I believe that with every, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Well, why doesn't he do that? Well, I don't know. 
That's one of my questions. I'm going to ask him when I get up there. But we live the life that we have. She's with me. You understand what I'm saying? My hope is this is not who she always will be. That the effects of the, that's an effect of a curse. But one day that's going to be, that's going to change and she'll need no more wheelchairs. I won't have to pick her up and transfer or move her around. I won't have to do any of that stuff. Because, hey boy, when I get there, I'm getting me a chair and you're going to take care of me the rest of eternity. (laughs) Listen, one day the effects of sin will be reversed. And when he does that, listen, there's going to be no more confusion gender-wise. There'll be no gender confusion because creation will be restored. All the various ways that you and I experience brokenness today in this world, both physical and psychological, is going to be healed and restored when Jesus returns. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have. Philippians 3 says, We eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies. (laughs) And that will be like His glorious body. Thank you, Jesus. Again, author Andrew Walker says we i love this think about the analogy he says he said we live in a genesis 3 world with a genesis 1 blueprint with a trajectory to a revelation 21 future so think about that we live in a genesis 3 world what's that that's a world that's fallen with a blueprint for genesis 1 very good creation with the trajectory of he makes all things new wow isn't that powerful that's powerful he makes all things new so in closing the last few moments how do we respond how do we as believers respond to this because listen i know this touches a lot of people's lives i know people you know people it's happening again i i I mean again there's been a door that's been opened the bible talks about the last days there would be tremendous deception and part of the deception goes to the core of creation who god made us to be if the devil can get us questioning who we are at the core of our being then what else can he get us to question so how do we respond to that how do christians respond number one we listen we listen again i get aggravated at guys that want to stand up and use the bible to slice and dice people jesus never did that he never did that James says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. See, most people today, we listen to respond. No, we, we listen, to, listen to those who struggle. Again, it's a legitimate struggle. Listen to those who struggle with gender identity. Listen to their experience. Let them tell you what it's like for them. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Number two, learn. Learn. It's nothing more aggravating you know the most expensive thing of all ignorance ignorance is the most expensive thing of all what we don't know kills us we could develop that but you understand what i'm talking about listen it does no good in the debate of what we're dealing with today to go off half cocked and not understand proverbs eighteen thirteen says he who answers before listening that is his folly and his shame listen and learn you know listen to them There are people that are legitimately struggling with the brokenness of our world, and we need to listen. We need to listen to their struggles. We need to try and learn from them so that we can be well-informed when we are called on to speak. Listen, what's the old adage that says? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I think sometimes Christians want to run their mouth long before they establish that they genuinely care about somebody. The third thing is this, love. Love, L-O-V-E. I heart you. (laughs) See, as Christians, you and I are called to love one another. And and don't misunderstand, the the call to love is not condoning a lifestyle that runs counter to what the Scriptures teach. It's not it at all. I mean, how loving is is it to allow someone to continue in a sinful lifestyle that you know is going to send them to hell? I don't consider that love. I consider, I I don't, again, if you know anything about hell and what the Bible says about it, why would you want anyone to go there? So why would I lovingly approve 
a lifestyle that runs counter to what the Bible says. You must be born again. But again, we love. We accept them, again, as, as a creation, as a creative act of God. We, create, we accept them as image bearers of God. We speak the truth. We share the gospel. We, share, we seek the good of other people. We don't seek their harm. Again, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Well, according to the Samaritan man, it's the detestable among us. Isn't that right? I mean, all the other Jews that responded to that situation there, they did according to what they, again, to what the law was. Don't have anything to do with the detestable people. He broke the mold and he did what was not right in their minds because he tapped into the spirit of the law. See, we as Christians, transgender people are our neighbors. And as Christians, we love them because they're our neighbors. We must commit to treating them with the full dignity of a person created in the image of God. We should not mock them and make fun of them and, and separate them in any way. And again, if you don't agree with someone, you can still act in love towards them. Because I believe that God will open opportunities for us to shine the light. Listen, I'm, I'm pre I know today is a little bit different. I, I love preaching about the benefits of the kingdom and love getting people all pumped up and riled up. But listen, there's a war that's going on right now. Our children are being inundated. You, most of us here are probably established in our convictions and who we are, but your children are struggling right now. They're struggling right now because they're being painted and told a message that runs counter to what we see in Scripture. And they need somebody to come with a reasonable uh, voice. Jesus said in John 8, he said, if you hold to my teachings, did you get that? If you hold to my teachings, now what is his teachings? Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Male and female. If you hold to my teachings, what do he say? You are really my disciples. And then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If we love people, that means we want them to be free. It means that we will speak the truth to them. We should encourage them to live according to the truth, the reality of who they are, not who they socially want to be. Help them. For those who struggle with gender identity, this would mean living out the gender in accordance with your bodily sex, not according to what you feel in your mind. I'm going to wrap it up. Guys, come on back. I want to close it with this. Somebody said, Pastor, what about children who express issues with gender identity? Here's the thing. I've done a lot of reading over the last few weeks as I started working on this sermon series a couple of months ago. For most children today, and, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm very much against the, the way that our society is handling this. For most children that maybe struggle with gender identity, the research has proven that they generally will grow out of it. If you affirm them in who they are in Christ and who God made them to be, they generally will grow out of it. Uh, it's, it's really the, the physical treatment of children with puberty, puberty blockers and hormone therapy and things like that, that is abuse. It is absolutely abuse and should not be tolerated at all because the data shows, again, there, there are online support groups right now for people that fully transitioned into the opposite sex of what they were born, and there are online support groups right now because people are regretting the decision because they made it in an emotional moment. They made it, again, they got pressure from the society, and they're living with regret. They did something that they wish they had never done. And listen, I think we have to be very, very careful. Mom and dad, live a sold-out Christian life in front of your children. Teach them the God rule, that God has the right as the creator to, 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 to rule our lives. He has the right to tell us what we can and cannot do. Again, we don't like that because our culture has said, throw off restraints, throw off authority. But God is the creator. He's the potter. Jeremiah 18 is the perfect example. The potter reached over and grabbed the clay, and he's the one that molded and shaped and made it into the image at, that he wanted. And he said, the pot can't say to the to the potter, why did you make me like this? See, that's where we are today. We're trying to take authority over the potter who has every right to make and mold the pot the way he wants it to be. It's his vision, not our vision. You know, we have to remember when it comes to children, Jesus had very, very harsh words for those who would harm a child. Anybody remember that? 
Matthew 18, Jesus said, hey, if, any, if anyone causes one of these little ones to sin, remember what he said? He said it would have been better, at one place he said better not you, that you had never been born. Another place he said been, it, would, it would be better that you tie a millstone around your neck and cast yourself into the depths of the sea. Because he ain't messing around when it comes to the little ones. And you know what? I don't either. I'm one of those guys, I'm an active guy. I've said this for years. You want to, you mess with some of our children here, I'll take you out back. I won't even take you out back. I'll, I'll whip you right here. I'm not going to mess with our kids. I, I, I'm sorry. That's just me. If that, if that makes you mad, I'm sorry. But I want to defend the defenseless and the most innocent. And our kids need us. Moms and dads live a life of faith before them. Teach them. That's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Teach your children when you're sitting down, when you're at the table, when you're lounging around, when you're walking in the way, when you're riding in your car, when you, wherever you are, tie them around your, your head and the doorpost of your house. Let, people, let your kids know that this is a God rule. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, this debate's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. I, for some of you parents here today, I have on the, on the hub, as we dismiss here in just a moment, I have on the hub, I, I printed out from, from uh, Focus on the Family. They have some very good resources. If, if, uh, I don't know how many I have out there, but you're welcome to them. If you don't, go to Focus on the Family. They have, they have a lot of online resources to help families talk about the transgender issue that's going on right now. Listen, this thing has gotten so uh, that they're in our own community, uh, in, in, in our county, there's a group now called the Furries. And, I, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to understand where this is going. There's a group of kids in our, in, in our community that are identifying themselves as cats. And they have now been able to force or mandate that schools put litter boxes in the bathrooms to accommodate them. I, I'm... I'm, I'm, and again, I'm not saying that for sensationalism. I'm just simply saying, you've got to understand, this is not the end of it. See, because what happens when you open that door, where do you draw the line that says, you know what, you can't do that anymore? That that's too far. So what I'm saying is that you and I as believers, number one, we need to pray for our community. We need to pray for our children, our families. That's why, you know, we talk about here at Bethel, building families, one, one fam building family legacies one at a time. I love the family. I preach on the family regularly. We have resources for family. We have ministries for families. This is important because there's a battle after our kids. They don't care about you, but they care about those kids because they set the future generation. In the beginning, God created male and female. Everything else is social construct, and it's reaching for the forbidden fruit. But I want to leave on this positive note. This is the world that we live in. It's under a curse. It's under a sin. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have diseases. That's why I push my wife in a wheelchair. That's why you have toothaches and headaches and, and all these other aches. You know, I'm at an age now where what don't hurt don't work. <laughs> I, I'm just there. <laughs> That's why we have that. Because this world's under a curse. But you know what? People say, well, well Pastor, why didn't God do something? He did. He did. He sent his only son to die on a cross to reverse the curse. See, when Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't giving up. He was saying, Father, <laughs> it's time. The curse has been dealt with, and it's time we can reverse the curse. You say, well, why don't he do it? Well, he's already planned it. The Bible says there's a day coming no man knows except the Father there's already a time established where God will come back, and when he comes back, he'll make all things new. No more sickness. Think about heaven. No more sickness and no more disease, and there won't be funeral homes and hospitals, and there won't be uh, hospice care, and there won't be any of that stuff in heaven because he's going to prepare a place for us, and he's going to restore it the way it was supposed to be. And there'll be no more gender confusion. There'll be no more none of this mess. Because he'll restore the order. It's already set on God's timeline. Won't you stand with me this morning? I know this morning these messages, they're very hard. These are very hard to do an altar call. <laughs> but here's what I want to do today. Number one, coming up just a tad. 
number one, here's what I want to say. Be light. Don't get on the soapbox and, I, you know, uh, the high horse and talk down to people that struggle and maybe have a different opinion than you. Ground yourself in the truth of God's Word, number one, and be light. Let God, listen, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, remember? God led him, God led Philip, the evangelist, to the eunuch. Out of all the people that were there, God said, go join to that one. What I'm saying is that when you walk, the Bible says we're to walk in the Spirit. When you walk with that awareness that you and I are emissaries or ambassadors of Christ, wherever we go, pray for God to open an opportunity, a door, to be light to someone in darkness. Whether it's a transgender debate, whether it's, a, whether it's a, just a other sinful life, whatever it is, to be light to their darkness. Ask God to help you to do that. If you have somebody in your family that's struggling with gender identity issues, don't belittle them by poking fun or making fun of them. Witness to them the truth of God's word. Let them know there's an order that God established. And by living contrary to the order God established, we're reaching for self-rule over God rule. And it always brings disaster. Because man, it is not, the Bible says it is not within himself for a man to plot his course and to determine his path. I can't do it. You can't do it. We're not smart enough to know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the day after. But we know one who is. And then the last thing, this. If you're here today, I do this every week because I believe in the power of prayer. If you're here today, I don't care if you're a guest here today, but if you have a need, you want somebody to pray with you, when we start singing here in a moment, I want you to come and just stand right here. We want to pray with you today. Maybe you have some family issues going on. Maybe you have some health issues. Maybe you have some financial issues. Listen, we want to pray with you, but listen, we are family. I've been saying that for 29, almost 30 years. If I could sing, I'd break out. We are family but I can't, <laughs> but we are family. I love you. I love you with all of my heart and I want to see God's best in your life. So as we sing this morning, you need prayer, I want you to come and we're gonna pray with you. Go ahead. I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing. my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your Calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy great. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Oh, God. 
I want to I want to say one more thing. I know I know this went a little longer, but I want to be obedient to the Lord this morning. There, I just really feel in my spirit there's somebody struggling with whatever. I, I don't know what it is. You're struggling where you are right now. There's stuff going on in your life right now that's just got you overwhelmed. That song says, you're my God and I need you. And I, I just want to pray for you this morning. I just want to pray that the Bible says when I go through the fire and when I go through the flood, it will not overwhelm me and I'll not be burned. Have faith in God this morning, friend. So as they sing that again, if, if, if you're here and say, you know what, that's me. I'm, I'm being overwhelmed with life right now. I just, I just wanted to stop just for that moment and say, I just, I feel impressed with the Lord to say that. Just take a step. You say, why can't he do it right there? Well, he can. But I think the sincerity is taking that step of faith and saying, you know what? I need you, God. And I'll join with you in prayer. Go ahead and sing that again. continue praying this morning I don't want to pray a blessing over you today listen I love you with all of my heart his way is best father right now in the name of Jesus I thank you for truth that sets men free and I thank you that no weapon formed against us prospers and all that rise up against us will fall Lord I thank you Lord we submit to the God rule of our life Lord we're not arrogant enough to believe that we can plot our own course we submit to your authority and to your right to rule over your creation father I pray today as we walk out of here Lord we recognize that we live in a fallen world with brokenness all around us Lord help us not that we have it all together but Lord you are Lord of all of our lives so Lord help us Lord you said when we're asked to give the reason for the hope that we have let us be light and let us be salt to those who are struggling with their brokenness Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here today, may we walk out 
Lord, just inspired to know that truth sets men free and that we can build our lives upon something that is eternal and that fades not away. Lord, I ask you to give us a great day and should you, Terry, give us a wonderful week that we can witness and share the, the, the light of Christ with and then bring us again the next appointed time. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. God bless you. love you so much. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You and providing now you are the same God you are the same God you moved in power then God moved in power now you are the same God you are the same God you were a healer then you are a healer now you are Still my soul would sing your praise again.